Good evening. I have been excited about tonight for a while, sharing with you what the Lord is doing in my life. Um, I do want to start by answering one question, and I've told the deacons this, and I told the students this the other night, but I know there's one pressing question in everybody's mind, and I want to go ahead and clear that up up front. Um, the other day, well, actually it was a couple months ago, Lainey asked, she, she knew something was up. Lainey is my 11-year-old daughter, if you don't know us, but she asked, um, what, what's going on? And so we sat her down in the living room, and we said, uh, Lainey, the Lord has called us to do something new. Uh, he's called us to plant a new church in Wynn. And she said, okay, I, I, I see that, and, and I think that's right. We said, Lainey, do you have any questions? She said, no, sir, and she left the room. A few minutes went by, and she came back in the room. She said, Daddy, I do have one question. And I said, babe, any question you've got, you can talk to us. She said, uh, have y'all worked out who the preacher's going to be yet? <laughs> I said, well, we're considering me for that role and she said oh good when you preach your sermons are funny not that they're deep or that they're challenging but they are funny so just to clear the air we're considering me for the the pastor role tonight what I plan to do is first describe to you how God led me to this point and I hope that that will bring a little bit of clarity to your mind then I want to get to the good stuff and read a passage of Scripture to you that has set my soul ablaze for the past few weeks. And I want to finish by explaining to you three out of the six values that the Lord has called us to be most passionate about as the Bridge Church. These values are one of the things that make the Bridge unique among other churches in the Delta and also helps in knowing why this must happen. So that is the progression that we're going to be following. But first I want to pray. Pray with me. God, you are so good to us and we do not deserve to even mention your name. But you have called us to share your name with others. Father, I pray we would be faithful in that. I pray that you would on, we would honor you in all that we do. Tonight, I confess as the speaker that I am incredibly weak. And my only hope is you. So I pray you would be thick among us tonight and that you would set me aside and that we would hear your voice even in supernatural ways in Jesus name amen so seven or eight years ago I was still farming I was not pastoring and I felt the Lord stirring in my spirit 
that he had somehow called me to ministry, and at that time I thought it was church planting. But to be 100% honest with you, I had no idea what church planting even was. So I went to talk to our pastor, who at the time was Matt Pearson, and I told him of the stirrings that had gone on in my heart, and, and I, I told him what I felt like the Lord was calling me to do, and I told him that I felt like it was church planning, and, to, and come to find out, I don't think Matt knew what church planning looked like either. We did start meeting together for a time. We started reading a book together called Planting Missional Churches by Ed Stetzer. Uh, we worked through that book together, and, and we visited, and we met with somebody from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention a time or two. But right after that, Matt asked me um, to be chairman of deacons for a time. And not long after that, uh, Matt told me that he wouldn't be the pastor anymore. So this whole calling and, and church planning thing was kind of put to the side for a little bit because I was doing something that I was incredibly uncomfortable doing. Then WBC called Brother Don to be the pastor at Wim Baptist. Not long after Brother Don was called, I went to see him. I think it was right after a men's luncheon in the student room, and I went to see him, and Brother Don responded, and, and we talked for a while, and he said, Dustin, why don't, uh, why don't you consider the role as student pastor at Wim Baptist? And my first response was, oh, no. Mm-mm. I went home and told Beth, and her response was, oh, no. <laughs> we prayed about it, and we decided that that was what the Lord wanted us to do after a while. And I fully believe that my time here has been a very huge part of the plan of God for my life. I got to experience church planting some uh, before I was on staff. When, when Three Trees was planted, they came to the missions committee um, and asked for support, and I was on the missions committee that we prayed through and decided to support Three Trees. We also sent Chanson, my brother back there, to Four City to plant Fellowship Community, Community Church right after I, I came on staff here. But my first up-close and personal look with church planning was last summer, summer 2017, when I took a group of students to Spokane, Washington to work with Zach and Nicole Minton. While we were there, I saw people who had no frame of reference to who Jesus Christ was in their life encountering the presence of God among the people of God and being changed. People who were far from God coming to Jesus and taking steps in His ways. And it washed all over me. And in that moment, I knew right then that the Lord had called me to this. To be 100% honest, I came back home and, and I started praying for God to send me to Spokane 
to do that. I, I knew for a fact that church planning was what God wanted me to do. Beth was never convinced of that, so we compromised and I stayed. <laughs> For the next several months, God started convincing me that he had called me to be faithful to win, too. And when I would read his word, I saw, I saw that he wanted me to be faithful and win. And so I'm wrestling with these two different things of, God, I know with clarity, I know that you have called me to church planting. And I know with clarity that you have called me to win, and I don't understand why you've clearly called me to two different things. The next several months were spent in frustration uh, because I saw these two as two, two competing things that never could get along. And I couldn't understand why God would clearly call me to both at the same time. At D now, Brad Branham was our speaker. Brad's a win guy. He's a homeboy. Um, he's the BCM director at Arkansas Tech, and he's currently planning a church himself called Hello Church in Russellville. At one point, Brad got in the truck with me, and it was just he and I, and he said... Uh, Dustin, tell me about that Easter service you had. And I said, we normally have one about every year. I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, he said, uh, didn't you have an Easter service at the Boys and Girls Club? And I said, yeah, Wim Baptist had a community Easter service at the Boys and Girls Club. And we talked for a little bit, and I told him about that experience. And he said, uh, Dustin, have you ever thought maybe God might be calling you to plant a church? And I said, boy... Yes. And he said, uh, you need to talk to the guys at the state. They're probably going to be calling you because they, they've been talking about that and, and, and you, need to, you need to talk to them about planting a church. So I did. And for the first time ever, I saw these two things that God had clear me, clearly called me to begin to mesh. And, and in my mind, it, it, was, it was two things beaten together with one another. But finally, God brought, brought clarity to the situation. And he said, son, don't, don't, I've called you clearly to two things. Don't, don't make them fight. Very shortly after that, I went to Brother Don. And I told him what the Lord had been doing in my life. Um, we talked we prayed, and he has been nothing but helpful and supportive to me in this. Over the past eight or nine months, the Lord has begun to speak very clearly and powerfully to my soul about what he wants this new church to be and look like, even down to the name, The Bridge. The Bridge is significant. It's very intentional, and it speaks to what kind of church this will be. When we go to Memphis, we never the destination is never the Memphis Bridge. The Memphis Bridge is an instrument that gets us to our destination, which is Memphis. In the same way, the Bridge Church is not the destination for anyone, but it is an instrument to clear the path 
to Jesus. The sole purpose of this church is to be an instrument to get the lost and the broken and the searching to the one true destination that can heal them, Jesus Christ. He's spoken to me about the model of church that it should be. The model is called the missional cell model. I know that sounds a little cold, but it's not like a jail cell. Um, it's more like the cell, which is the most basic part of a body, a cell. The missional cell model means the most basic parts, the small groups of this body are to be missional to their core, reaching the broken on their turf. He's given us a vision. That vision is to become a whole family, embracing the whole gospel with the whole community. If you will, take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1. This is the good stuff. Acts chapter 1. I am so incredibly excited for us to look at this together. I've never been more excited to look at a passage of Scripture. I've been planning to study the book of Acts in student ministry with our students through the fall. I've read that book several times. I've read these verses I don't know how many times, but I have all my life happened to look over this one thing until the other day. I was fixing to write the first sermon for the fall, and I saw it, and I wept. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Did y'all see it? I missed it too. Um, does anybody know who wrote the book of Acts? You can tell me. Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. The same guy that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And it is the most detailed gospel we have. It describes the, the birth of Jesus. When, when we want to read the Christmas story at Christmas time, we go to Luke because in detail he describes the birth of Jesus. And in detail he describes the miracles of Jesus, the healings of Jesus. Because he's a doctor, he's, he's passionate about that. And, and he, he describes the teachings of Jesus and, and everything that Jesus taught and did. And he describes the death of Jesus. And then he describes the resurrection of Jesus. And he finishes his gospel. You can go back and check me, but he finishes his gospel by describing the ascension of Jesus, the day that Jesus' earthly body left this place. Now look at it again. Look at Acts 1 again. Look at it with me. You've got to see it. Be looking for it. I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now how can this man, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
and having wrote his first narrative about everything from the birth to the ascension of Jesus, say with all truth, I wrote everything. In that first book, I wrote everything that Jesus began to do and teach. The only way he could say that with all truth is if Jesus was not done. The Spirit of Christ was about to take on a different form. And he was not done with his doing nor his teaching. And it was going to continue. And my friends, the doing and the teaching of Jesus is still very much alive in this world right now. And when we think of the church the way Acts 1-1 thinks about the church, the way Luke thinks about the church, who I trust, when we think about the church that way, it's, it's not a service that we attend. It's, it's not a building that we go to. Get this. It's not even us. But the church is the continued doing and teaching of King Jesus. And the people who are involved are only facilitators for his doing and his teaching in the world today. The church is an instrument for kingdom expansion. It is not the kingdom. This is the reason and the only reason that more churches are needed in Wynn and in Cross County and in Arkansas and in the United States and in the world because more of Jesus doing and more of Jesus teaching are very much needed in Wynn and in the Delta and in Arkansas and in the United States and in the world. We need more of Jesus doing and teaching. I don't have time to dive into all that Jesus has said to me about what the bridge should and will be, but he has given her a unique and specific focus and vision for his activity, his doing, and his teaching and when, and a very unique and particular route for kingdom expansion here. Those things are best described by our values. So tonight I'm going to expound on three of our six values. If you desire further information, uh, you are welcome to buy my lunch one day. And I will be glad to share with you between bites. The six values of the bridge are these. Clarifying truth, connecting with the uninitiated, pursuing diversity, Loving the fatherless, experiencing joy, and embracing margin. Tonight I want to expound further on connecting with the uninitiated, pursuing diversity, and embracing margin. I cannot tell you how much the Lord Jesus has passioned me for those who we are calling uninitiated. 
Uh, you're probably asking, Dustin, what are you talking about when you say the uninitiated? The New Oxford Dictionary defines uninitiated as those without special knowledge or experience. So we are talking about those who do not understand church. They do not speak the lingo of church. They don't know how to act in church. Uh, these people are far from God, and they do not look or act like we would look or act. We have slews of people in our community who do not know how to do church. And it is a hurdle for them. Some of these people are the Lord's, but they have not connected with the church yet. Some of these people are not yet the Lord's. The Bible describes those people as lost. We have, we have somehow placed a negative tone on the word lost when, when we're thinking about those who don't know Jesus, but, but the, that's not biblical. The biblical definition of a lost person is found in Luke chapter 15 when, he, when Jesus describes a lost person. Coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. All three of those carry a different weight of extreme and precious value. So when we say lost, we're not talking about the heathen people that are making our United States bad for us. We're talking about those probably same people who are extremely valuable to the heart of God but have not yet had a route to experience Him in the, in the activities of His people. This is something that the Lord has made me passionate about, uh, not from afar, but because He's done it within me. Um, several years ago, when I was a teenager... And in my 20s, um, shamefully, I, I looked at people who were different than me as though I was better. People with different skin color than me, people with different ethnicity or culture than me as though I was better. And somehow the Lord brought me to a place where I was willing to do anything to adopt a son or daughter from Ethiopia. Those are choices that we do not get to make. That is only life change that the Lord offers. And then he gave us Judd, who's an extremely white kid. <laughs> the Lord put me with the right people that would express to my spirit that the things I believed were not right. And he's still doing that today. He's still cultivating me. He's still saying, this cannot exist in my child. This cannot exist in my child. This must exist in my child. This must exist in my child. And that only comes from me encountering his presence in his people. And I long for that for others. I long for that when I... When I go into places and I look in people's eyes and there's not any hope. I long for them to be convinced that that is a lie. I long for the uninitiated, those who, who don't know how to speak right, those who, 
who have markings all over their bodies or the wrong piercings or, or too many kids out of wedlock. wedlock. I, I long for them to, to get to experience the spirit of Jesus who exists in the interaction of Jesus' people. I never would have changed without it. And I do not expect anybody else to. The bridge has been directed by Jesus to intentionally design everything about itself to bring the presence of Jesus to those who are broken and hurting and far from God on their turf. Bring God's presence, the presence of Christ, to their turf. The next value I want to speak to you about tonight is pursuing diversity. We believe that diversity is a gospel concern, diversity of age, diversity of thought, diversity of ethnicity, diversity of culture, Diversity of what we call race, we believe that is a gospel concern found in Scripture. The other day I went to an engineer friend of mine at the highway department. I'm kind of like Garth Brooks, I got friends in low places. (laughs) And I sat with him a while, and my main question to him was... What makes bridges strong? He told me that truss bridges are built with triangles that are always in tension or compression at the joints. Wherever the weight is, those joints in the triangle are are either in tension or compression. And that's a big deal to us because uh, I know that a healthy Christian life is is found in the balance of a growing knowledge of God and a a growing love for God's people and a growing passion to reach the lost. And, and that, that balance is, I see it as found in three sides of a triangle. So that was a big deal to me. But he told me something else I didn't know. I asked him to describe to me the foundation of a bridge. And he told me that bridges are held up by these concrete pillars that you see under the bridge, obviously. And they go down deep in the ground. But get this, in the delta, those pillars never reach a hard surface. The weight of the bridge has nothing to do with the bottom of the concrete pillars. The support and the foundation of the bridge is found in the outside surface of the pillars meeting with the outside surface of the dirt and causing a friction. And these engineer people, they call what's happening in that friction that causes a firm foundation in the bridge, they they call what's happening in that friction skin friction. And this skin friction causes the foundation of the bridge to be incredibly strong in the delta because it'll never hit bottom with the bottom of the pillars. The Bridge Church has been directed by the Spirit of Jesus to posture itself to pursue diversity, and I understand 
that in this area that is going to be incredibly difficult. There are plenty of reasons why that's not happening right now in the Delta. Without a doubt, there will be friction, and most of that friction will probably revolve around the topic and discussions of skin. But I'm convinced that the skin friction that the Bridge Church will experience, although it will be painful at times, will ultimately serve as a foundational strength of its existence, just like it does with a physical bridge. Galatians 3, 27 and 28 says, For those of you who have been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. Turn with me to John chapter 17 real quick. You've got to see this too. John chapter 17, verse 20. Amen. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying for himself at the end of his life. He's at the end of his life. And these are the last things, the very last things he says to God before he's about to be crucified. John chapter 17, verse 20. He says this. He prays to God. And I believe in the power of Jesus' prayer. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. That's us. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. That's pretty one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. When people who look and act differently can come around the name of Jesus and be united for Him and only Him, it is a testimony to a world that is lost and broken and dying and searching for something genuine. And I believe that's going to happen in the Delta. And I also believe it will have ripple effects that we would never believe. The last thing I'm going to talk about tonight is another value, which is embracing margin. This may be the most under, misunderstood value that the bridge has. When I've, when I've spoken to people about this, some have struggled. First, it's important to note that this is not people who are marginalized that we're talking about. That's, that's not what that means, although Jesus does love people who are marginalized. We're not embracing the marginalized in this value. This value describes a lifestyle with margin. Margin is a biblical concept. From the very beginning, God commanded His people to be sure they, were, they harvested their crops that when they harvested their crops, to not go all the way to the edge of their field, but to leave some. And he said he wanted them to trust him with the margin that they left, and he wanted them to save that for the alien, the foreigner, the widow, the orphan, 
those in the Old Testament society that were vulnerable. They, he, he wanted them to have margin, and he called his people to trust him with leaving a little bit in their field to take care of those people. Jesus lived out this concept in his own life. The Bible is intentional to record times where Jesus got up from the crowd and walked away and he stood by himself or he, he prayed by himself, sometimes all night. I think of the time in Luke 8 when, when Jairus had, had asked Jesus to come see his daughter that was about to die. And, and Jesus was on his way to see Jairus' daughter and to heal her and he's going through this crowd and all these people are pressing in on him and all of a sudden Jesus says oh stop stop the game who touched me and the disciples said Jesus you got all these people around you what are you talking about who touched you and I can imagine Jerry is saying Jesus come on Jesus come on I got my daughter over here Jesus come on Come on, he had a deadline with Jairus' daughter, but he said, stop, who touched me? And he spent time with a lady who was vulnerable and had been sick and broken. Jesus understood margin. The bridge will limit the amount of activity at the building intentionally not out of laziness or because there's nothing to do in the community but to grant more margin in the lives of its members to be used in ministering to the broken on their own turf I don't know if you've ever ministered to broken people but if you have you know that it takes time It takes hard time, difficult time. In Acts chapter 2, something remarkable happens with the disciples. The Bible says that a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the place where the disciples were. And they saw tongues like flames of, flames of fire that rested on the men. That fire was the same sending glory fire of God that burned the bush of Moses and sent him to rescue God's people from Egypt. It was the same glory fire that sent the people of God through the wilderness when they were following Moses. It was the same sending glory fire in the altar of God that the seraphim gathered a coal from to singe the lips of Isaiah to send him to the people. It was the same fire that Jeremiah described the message of God with in Jeremiah chapter 20. He said, His message has come into my heart and it is filling up my bones like a fire and I cannot hold it in, I cannot prevail, I must let it out. It's the same fire described in Luke 24 that the disciples in Emmaus said their hearts burned with them when they heard the message of Jesus when he spoke to them. 
And in Acts 2, the sending fire of God had rested on those who would form his church. Tonight, I hope you feel the sending fire of God. Brother Don's been preaching to us, but, but whether on Sunday mornings, but whether we know it or not, tomorrow when we go to our job, you will be just as sent as I am. Tomorrow, when we go home from our job, you will be just as sent as I am. Tomorrow, when we interact with people, we, we may think we're doing this job to earn a paycheck and support our family, but that is not the mind of God. The mind of God has sent us to people who are hurting and desperate and in need of a Savior. It's funny that when people get excited about Jesus and start telling people about Jesus, we call them on fire. That's pretty appropriate. Tonight, I hope you feel the sending fire of God as much as I ever have. Maybe tonight you came because you heard about this new church plant that may be coming to win, and we're glad you're here for that, but we also believe that maybe God has brought you here for a different reason. And maybe that reason is for you to experience His presence among His people for the first time. If that's the case, when we play the music at the end of the service, you are welcome to come forward to speak with me or Brother Don or whoever invited you to come. I'm sure you can find people in this area to visit with, to talk to them about salvation found in Jesus. Tonight, if you've lost your fire, I want to ask you to beg God to return it to your life. There's broken people around you that need to feel that glory fire of God. Would you ask him to return that in you?